This is The Dugout. Every Tuesday at 1 with Bump and Stacey. Inside access to the clubhouse from Shannon Dre on Seattle Sports. The home of the Mariners. You are listening to The Dugout. It is all Mariners from 1 to 2. And we are talking about a very, very important month for the Mariners. They took on the Houston Astros. Took that series 2 of 3 against Houston. Taking on the Texas Rangers. One of the better teams in the American League right now. Holy cow. Who thought we'd be saying that? Uh, they dropped game one. Bump, despite a great performance from Logan Gilbert, but uh, they have game two today. Still a chance to win this series. Let's talk about what we want to see before I move forward and talk about uh, the big test that they're going to have in the month of May. So here we go, talking about the Rangers. Uh, it's going to be George Kirby on the mound for Seattle against Andrew Heaney on the mound for the Rangers. What would make uh, today a win for you? Outside of the score, outside of the runs, outside of whatever they do, what's going to feel like a win? One can uh, can Wong not get hit by two pitches? Yeah, can we My man stop had a tough hitting day. players? <laughs> stop hitting Wong. Usually it's France who's getting hit, <laughs> but Wong got hit. What would be a win for me if they have their pitchers back? Whether that be George Kirby coming out and looking great mm-hmm. and going five without a hit or no runs, whatever that may be, have his back produce runs, or say George has an off day. You know, and he's giving up Support some hits. He gives up some runs. Yeah. Now you have his back, and you go out there and you produce some runs. Just having the, the, the mounds back, because the mound has been all right this year. The bullpen's been all right this year. It's just that uh, the bats haven't been hot when the pitchers really need them to be hot. So just have... Kirby's back. Fangraph's war has the Mariners with one of the better pitching rotations in all of baseball. Unfortunately, the team looking to bounce back above 500. Now, they had a good series against Houston, including some chaos ball over the weekend, but uh, dropped the first game against the Rangers. The Rangers are a good team. Logan had a good performance. Scott Service really happy with what he saw. I thought Logan got in a great role. Um, you know, first inning, um, you know, like a lot of starting pitchers, they're kind of feeling their way. What's working? Where am I at? And in the second inning, we just saw the fastball start taking off. And not just that, the uh, the command of the secondary pitches, good curveball tonight, really good slider. And when he's getting those secondary pitches over the plate, the fastball even plays up more. Um, but really good at locating it right at the top of the zone. Um, can't throw the ball any better. You know, that's about as good as I've ever seen Logan Gilbert tonight. Of course, they need to make some adjustments offensively in order to get this team back to and above 500, and that is their goal. So let's see if they can do it in Game 2 of a tough series. Joining us right now to uh, to talk about this series and talk about where the team's at, Mariners infielder Jose Caballero on the Emerald Queen Casino Sportsbook Hotline. Jose, how's it going? Hello, I'm doing great. How about you guys? We're great. We're so happy to have you. Uh, it is a big series and a big month for you guys. Um, it was uh, it was a fantastic day for Logan yesterday. Obviously, you guys uh, with the offense, I'm sure, hoping to get a little bit more going today. Tell us a bit about the Rangers. Well, like you say, it's a great series right now. We're in a good spot. We're building some momentum and we just hope to, to get the result that we want, you know, and it's a tough team. Uh, they're in the top in the standings right now in, in, in the West, so we're just trying to, to do our best job to, to win games, you know. Jose, you've been having um, a, a great time being called up, man. You're bad 306, slugging uh, 389 OPS, 739. Um, I know, well, do you look at those numbers when uh, when you're up to bat or you're, you're kind of getting ready for the game? And, and how have you continued to be so confident while while getting your, your starts here? Well, like I mentioned before in, in other interviews, you know, um, 
my team is just there for me. They always try to 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 be there for me and just I just try to stay focused and compete and have fun doing the game and try to, to do the best that I can to to bring the win for the team, you know? Mm-hmm. Jose, uh, let's talk about uh, just who you are. It's our first time talking to you, so we're so excited to have you here. Uh, what made you fall in love with baseball? Was it a parent, a friend? How'd you get into it? Uh, well, I was. I just grew up in Latin America. It's just baseball so big in Latin America. Like, and like all my friends play baseball, or I, I got a couple um, parents. The, the the play baseball. My my dad used to like play softball, and my uncle used to like play baseball back in Panama. And like I just grew up in the in the same scenario, you know. Jose, you got a chance to play in the World Baseball Classic, man. Representing your country, how was that? It's amazing, amazing. Just side to side with the. Big league experience. It's just great to to play for your country, for your family, you know. And it's amazing experience over there, and I enjoy the moment. Um, what do you think of? It's my favorite uh, favorite home run prop of any team. Tell me your thoughts on the Mariners' home run trident. Oh, it's amazing! It's amazing. <laughs> it we looks huge. So we we just had so much fun with it, and it, it's huge. Uh, it's heavy, like yeah. you have no idea. Like it's actually something like I thought it was like the real one. <laughs> Jose, you had a um a little conversation. The other day, it was the Astros, I believe it was, and an at bat. I'm sure you can't tell me exactly what was said, but what was that uh, that interaction like? Me, I was excited, man. I love passion. I love um, the back and forth when it comes to competition. What was that like? Well, we just didn't agree with something, but like, like I I mentioned to him, like the rules are there for for both of us, and I just don't try. I just trying to. To do the, the the best I can, and like if I let the time go and the pitcher can take advantage of of, of the timer, I'm gonna be in a bad spot. So like I just try to to take the most time that I can, and like the rule says, I I, I had to be engaged at eight seconds. So like I had the times, you know. So they we just didn't agree with the with the rule at, at that moment, and we just have a. a you know. Mm-hmm. Um, tell me about uh, about your time with the team so far. Who's uh, who's who have you been spending a lot of time with? Who have you uh, been able to to get to know here? Well, all the guys, like like I mentioned before, they they all there for me. They try to help me the the most that they can. And I mean, Gino is always there. Gino is always a, a guy that I look up to. Uh, and all the all, all the Latin Latin players, they all try to help me. So like like I said, like all all my teammates just they just there for me and try to help me. Jose, you've played uh, several positions for the Mariners. Which one do you like best? And what it, what was your natural position growing up? Well, my natural position growing up was um, second base, but whenever I got uh, call for like professional baseball before like 
going through the minor league, I was playing shortstop the most. Mm-hmm. But I just try to have fun and compete. I, I don't, I, I don't really care where I play. I just want to be in there and play every like every day that I can, you know, and just compete and have fun and try to make my team win help with something. You seem like a confident guy. Is is that how you describe yourself? Oh yeah, I mean, I just. Like I've been saying, I just trying to compete every bat. I I I don't see who's pitching. I don't see what the other team is. I, I don't see names. You know, mm-hmm. I just trying to compete to whoever is pitching at the moment. I just trying to to get results. I love when um when guys get called up because I think about them and their journey, but then I think about their family, man, and how proud they are of guys being called up. What was it like when um your 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 family found out that you were you're gonna get some time here? It was amazing. It was just a big moment, a big 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 moment, like I said, like my family just happy, like oh it's not only my family, it's it's like in in the country, in the whole country mm-hmm. it was a it was a boom, like it was a big thing because like we only have 70 uh, MLB players in history, so like it's not many of us. So like it was amazing, but my family just they they I, I think they having more fun than me right now. I mean I'm I'm playing and trying to, to to do well, and they just having fun with it, you know. And and I'm so proud of it. I'm so proud that I can represent my my family and my name and. I'm, country you know uh scott service has been really complimentary of you he said you play with an edge how would you describe yourself as a player oh i i don't have much to say on that oh we might have lost him <laughs> going through that yeah, tunnel trying, oh yeah we are trying, trying to compete trying to compete trying to do the best that i can in that day and just trying to get results. Yeah, like I'm saying. Yeah. So um, we hear your nickname is Machete. Tell me, tell me about that nickname. Where'd you get it from? Well, I don't know about that nickname though. But like on my my nickname at home, they call me Shema. It's a combination of my of my name and my middle name. So like. I don't know. They, they've been calling me names, so like I just take it, like whatever they want to call me, you know. All right, he is Mariners infielder Jose Caballero, kind enough to join us for the dugout on the Emerald Queen Casino Sportsbook Hotline. Jose, it has been so fun to watch you, man. I agree with Scott. You're confident. You play with an edge. You're really fun to watch, and I know that you're you're being a little uh, little humble. But uh, but it's been really really cool. So you are you are a delight to watch, and, and we appreciate you joining us. Thank you. Thanks, Jose. Thank you, guys. Thank you. All right, again, thank you to Mariners infielder Jose Caballero for joining us uh, on the dugout. It is all Mariners from one to two. He is someone who has been really really fun to watch. I love Scott Service describing him as playing with an edge, and um, uh, Jose said it in one of his answers when we asked him about being confident. He talked about like not really looking at. And again, all players will say this, but he's kind of playing that way. 
not looking at like, oh, I'm facing, uh, you know, this great pitcher, this Cy Young winner, this, you know, I'm, um, you know, I'm playing, uh, you know, second base and, and this, you know, silver slugger is at the mound. Like it doesn't matter. Like he's, it's, it's just a guy that you're facing in that matchup, but he kind of plays like that. Like, it's cool to see that energy from a young guy. Yeah. He plays like he belongs. If you're a guy who every time you line up, you're like, oh my God, this is Mike Trout's or, oh my God, this guy's on base and you, you don't really belong there. You know what I'm saying? And that's how Jose plays. And the fact that this rookie went toe-to-toe with the catcher for the Astros and be like, look, man, I'm using the rules. The pitcher has the rules. I'm using the rules. Nothing that I'm doing is against the rules. Um, just let you know how comfortable he is because if he didn't feel like he believed, if he didn't feel like he was supposed to be there, then maybe he he bows out of that situation and just lets the guy talk. Yeah. So, no, I like the feistiness that Jose brings to this team. I love it. We talked about uh, what would feel like a win in this series. Obviously, an actual win in this series would be pretty sweet, but things that we would just want to see from this Mariners team. Uh, you mentioned wanting to see the offense kind of back up the pitcher, that if the pitcher is pitching well, the Mariners offense is getting runs on the board. If the pitcher is struggling, the Mariners offense is having his back. I think what I'd like to see, uh, you know, I know we just mentioned Jose, so uh, Jose, not part of my answer, but I think what I'd like to see is Julio. I mean, we we talked about it earlier during Bump and Stacy, but um, to see Julio get going, I think, would calm a lot of nerves and anxieties for yeah. a lot of people because I don't know that anyone is thinking, oh, you know, Julio, there's something wrong. But I think when you're waiting for someone you know is a superstar to take mm-hmm. off, you find yourself getting a little restless. You know, the calendar switches to May and all of a sudden you're getting a little antsy. I think that it would it would mean a ton, uh, not just for fans, for him to get things going against a good Texans team or Rangers team, excuse me. Yeah, it's the anticipation that kills you, right? It's the anxiety of a situation that you know, can make you be a bit more, um, a bit less patient when it comes to these guys. So I think that's what people are feeling with Julio. It's you're climbing to the top of a roller coaster, and sometimes it takes a little longer than you think. So um, it is what it is. And also, let me throw out there, I made a mistake. Uh, Machete is not his nickname. That's uh, the Astros catcher's mi- nickname. Apparently, um, I got that mixed up. Have you ever had a nickname? Just Bump? Bump. My whole life. Every man it's an easy with my nickname. last name. Yeah. You go to a family reunion, you bump. yell Bump, every man Everyone turns around. Head. How do you differentiate which Bump is... is- Michael Bumpus and which bump is another Bumpus? I, don't know. I mean, we're not together too often, so okay. <laughs> I don't have to deal with <laughs> that have to too worry much. About it? <laughs> <laughs> All right, game two against the Rangers is going to be today, six forty p.m. First pitch, five thirty p.m. Pre-game show. George Kirby on the mound against Andrew Heaney. Uh, obviously, you're going to have game three tomorrow. Tomorrow is going to be a matinee, so it's still a chance to take this series. Let's see. They can get it done. Let's jump to MLB headlines. Taking a look around the rest of the league. You guys remember when Robbie Ray was ejected for a national anthem standoff last season? Yes, I do. It was really funny. Well, it happened again last night with Boston's Cutter Crawford. What a name for a pitcher. And Philadelphia's Matt Strom. Both pitchers were also fined. Come on, baseball. I mean, they're going to find them. It's what they're going to do. But yeah. have some fun. Have some fun. It's uh, You guys aren't the NFL, the no fun league. Even the NFL allows you to celebrate now after touchdowns. No, I, this is one of the things uh, that I love about baseball. Little silly things like this. It's just bros being bros. No, you move, bro. No, you move, bro. <laughs> I'm staying here. You stand here. Yeah, I, I love seeing stuff like this. It, uh, it. It's just a really fun thing to see. Now, I um, didn't realize that this was like a big thing in uh, in little or not little league in uh, in the minors. Like I, I was actually, and I know that you guys are gonna be like, you didn't know about this. I was not familiar with anthem standoffs until Robbie Ray did it last year. Like I thought it was like a one off or like, you know, 
weird thing. And then someone was like, no, this is. I'm probably like a few years in. It's not something I've known my whole life. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, I wasn't familiar with it. Uh, did you hear about the uh, White, uh, White Sox uh, beat the Reds 17-4 the other day, by the way? Did you guys see this? They scored 11 runs in the second inning. Goodness gracious. I know. 17-4. That's a score you check twice. Who? was pitching up oh man poor guy. i'm sure many many people poor guy. <laughs> many guys are pitching uh all right things between the cardinals and free agent signing wilson Contreras are off to a rocky start listen to this one bump the team mysteriously moved him from being their everyday catcher to being dh then buster only tweeted quote rival executives and staffers all said the same thing if the cardinals pitchers wanted Contreras to be the catcher he would be the catcher mm. drama Drama this happening sounds like with the Cardinals. Some of your reality TV type stuff right here. Oh, nothing can touch Vanderpump <laughs> Rules right now. But this is uh, <clears throat> this is pretty dramatic. Um, this is uh, obviously something that you bring in someone that you think is going to help. They don't, and not only that, but it sounds like your pitchers have a little bit of a say in it. Mm -hmm. Looking around uh, the rest of the league, it's been interesting to see which guys just haven't had quite the impact we expected. Abreu, obviously, one of those guys where you thought that he'd mean a little bit more to Houston. Uh, You look at Seattle, and you're still waiting for a couple free agents to take off. Teoscar Hernandez, one of them. Now, we know he can. He's doing all right, though. He is. He's doing all right. I know. I want to give him credit because he's actually been improving over the course of the month. If you were to choose one of the new additions this year to take the biggest step forward in May, who would you choose? New addition. It's got to be Colton Wong. And Colton Wong's been doing okay as of late as well. But if you can get guys like Colton Wong and Teoster to continue to do what they've been doing or Teoster continuing, Colton kind of ride the wave. This team will be all right. I it think will be so. okay. I think so, too. Uh, all right. Aaron Judge is back. I know for all you Yankees fans out there, you're so excited. The Yankees have activated their superstar after a 10-game IL stint. Congratulations to the American League home run record haver. I'll never get over that. Man. I'll never. I saw what Barry Bonds did. I synced it with my I own eyes. I synced it with my own two eyes. The, I know. I know. That's what I'm saying. The American League record. Because the real record was set by a National League team. <laughs> uh, he, uh, he hasn't played since April 27th because of a right hip strain. Uh, still had a solid season, hitting 261, six home runs, 14 RBI, 863 OPS in 26 games. Now back at it with the Yankees. So congratulations, I guess, to New York, unfortunately, for getting some more help there. Next story. USA Today has tabulated the most affordable beer and hot dog prices from around the league. Good news for Mariners fans. I know that some of you, you know, might be like, wait, what? But yes, the Mariners have the cheapest beer per ounce price, 33 cents per ounce, and the fourth cheapest hot dog, really? $4. Hang the banner. <laughs> hang it. Hang, hang uh, fourth cheapest hot dog banner. Oh, man. Look at the prices of the most expensive ones. Yes. Okay. The Orioles have the most expensive hot dog price at Eight twenty-five. The Orioles mm. of all teams. I know they're a good club they now. They've got right a great now. young. They've got a great farm system. But you are telling me to my face that to the face. Orioles have the most expensive hot dog. Twice as much, by the way, maybe as the cheapest hot dog available with the Mariners. Maybe it has something to do with history of hot dogs, or I don't know. But it does. It does. Not I don't like sense. it. I don't you respect got the it. The second most expensive, and I. This is probably also a reason why A's fans aren't showing up. Is the A's have the second most expensive hot dog None of this makes price. sense. None of it makes sense. So they got to make a money somewhere. Teams I'm not surprised <laughs> to see in the top five. San Diego Padres, not surprised at all. San Francisco Giants, not surprised at all. Thanks. San Francisco, just really expensive in general. California, really expensive in general. 
The Orioles and the A's do not belong there. I know Oakland is in California, but you do not belong well, there. Oakland, they, they got to make money somewhere. You only got 12 people showing up to the games. I'm gotta upset. Charge them. I'm very upset. Most um, expensive beer belongs to the Dodgers at almost 30 naturally. cents more per ounce than a, any other team. Almost a dollar per ounce, 99 cents. Naturally. Oh, guess what? Second most expensive beer, if you just had to guess. Yankees. Of course it's the Orioles. <laughs> <laughs> The White Sox uh, are third. The Reds. Do you think it's interesting that some of these teams like the Reds that have just kind of like almost openly uh, tanked are have some of the most expensive concessions? I think it's very weird. I think there Uh, is something to that. Yeah, I think the teams who are struggling the most should have the more expensive uh, beer and hot dogs. Yeah, because fans aren't showing up. So they're trying to make money. Well, it's shout out! Right. Shout out to the Mariners! Shout out to the Braves, Twins, Marlins, Blue Jays, keeping things well, we know uh, the Mariners pretty made, affordable. Mariners made money last year, so they can afford to shave a little off the top. Yeah, they can afford to let us have some yeah. four dollar hot. How dogs. much is your rosé though? Too much. <laughs> <laughs> more than I need to be spending. Definitely more than I need to be spending. Uh, have you guys ever um, wanted uh, had one of those like really weird hot dogs that they make like you know when you go to certain ballparks and they'll have like yeah this one has and I'm not talking about like a Seattle dog it'll be like yeah this one has um, chili Skittles Fritos Ew. Doritos Skittles. and mac and cheese with covered with that bacon up. that one I made up but you know that that's kind of real a version of that exists here's the thing I'm a bougie hot dog eater I will go up there and ask hella questions um, is this all beef were the cows roaming freely? Was or are they trapped for hours throughout the day? I hot dogs. I saw a documentary. And you want to make up. sure it's free range. I just want to make sure I'm eating beef and not the other stuff. The New York Mets sell fried chicken donuts. It's a piece of fried chicken with a donut ring on either side. Like it, like the like a donut sandwich is a piece of fried that chicken. That low key sounds fire. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just saying, like. Would I eat that? Do the do baseball yes. do ballparks have the the weirdest foods? Is that part of yeah. baseball? So I'm looking up yeah. a couple other things. There's a flaming hot Cheetos pretzel for the Rangers. Um, I'd a, get down with that. Yeah, there's um, a pizza dog, which is a hot dog topped with pepperoni, which I is can, I can do that. Which is fine. That. Yeah, that's absolutely fine. Um, and you've got uh, da da da. da I guess like normal stuff elsewhere. That was the the weirdest one. Oh no, this is disgusting. It's called the cleanup burger at Truist Park. Four grilled all beef patties topped with hash browns, bacon, cheese, sunny side up fried egg, served between two Belgian waffles with maple syrup. <laughs> Low key sounds fire. <laughs> no, does it? Absolutely really does. does not. Let's ask. A, I'm I'm curious. You know, Aaron Goldsmith has been to a lot of ballparks. I'm curious as to whether he's ever tried any of these weird creations. Let's find out. He joins us next. You're listening to the Dugout every Tuesday at one with Bump and Stacy on Seattle Sports Station, the home of the Mariners. You are listening to the Dugout. Joining us now on the Emerald Queen Casino Sportsbook Hotline, Mariners broadcaster Aaron Goldsmith. Aaron, before we ask you any Mariners questions, Bump and I were just talking about some of the weirder ballpark foods uh, that we'd be willing to try. It will not surprise you that Bump said yes to pretty much every item I was reading. Um, what is uh, maybe one of the weirder food items you've been able to? sample from around the country oh man that's a good question um boy you know i i mean like i've seen a lot of vile things um, <laughs> they have weird stuff but, man yeah but i mean i haven't 
I haven't consumed any of them. I mean, guys, I've I have a job to do. You know, like <laughs> focused on the topic in like, hand. Like if I if I got to get out of there in the third, it's a problem. <laughs> um, I mean, Fair. obviously, the, the biggest, the, the the easiest one, it's the kind of the low hanging fruit is the boomstick in mm-hmm. in Arlington, right? And I mean, I would say the epicenter of nastiness in ballpark concessions is Arlington. And I'm like, I'm not taking a shot. I mean, it's just, these are the facts. Like, just every year, look at the stuff that the Rangers roll out on their just, like, weird and wacky menu. And it's, uh, like, if you don't think it's repulsive, you got you to gotta check your eating habits, man. It's, <laughs> they're, they're bad. I mean, I guess they're meant to be split among, like, ten people. Um, but that's, that's where you got to start. That's where you got to start. Hey, this, um, back to um, some baseball. Even though you know what I did say, I would eat a burger with pizza as this as this bun and hella bacon oh. in there. So I'm a uh, I'm, I'm bad when it comes to that stuff. You said you would have the one that was a waffle cone filled with mac and cheese yes. and pulled pork. Yes, that's like my breakfast and Thanksgiving <laughs> right there. <laughs> but uh, hey, um, when you look at what the Mariners have been doing this year, Curtis hit us with a stat and pretty much said we have the best starting rotation in the league, but it doesn't feel like it because it's been overshadowed by not being able to produce runs. If you were just to go off a feel of this team, and I told you that stat, would you believe it? Well, first of all, let's back it up. Curtis came up with a stat? Curtis. Yeah, I I automatically don't believe it. Yeah, Yeah, well, that's why we have fact checkers in our world. Exactly. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Uh, I would say in this one instance, and it might be isolated, Curtis's Arizona public education actually is working out for him. Um, Bear down. Bear down. Bear down. Absolutely. Yes. I mean, the Mariners have, that's what makes this series against the Rangers so interesting because the Rangers have essentially the best offense in baseball and the Mariners have essentially the best pitching in baseball. Uh, For the Mariners, they could not pitch the ball realistically any better than they have to begin the season. And to me, that is, it, it kind of goes from you, you hope that things stay consistent one year to the other, one year to the next, when the personnel largely is unchanged and the philosophy is definitely unchanged. It has remained static and strong as always. Mariners pitching is just as good, even though the, the cast of characters uh, it's safe to say it, it's not, maybe not especially close in some regards to what we thought would be seen at this point of the calendar. Offensively, and philosophy is the same, right? It's for both sides of the ball, really. Dominate the strike zone. And from a hitter's perspective, it's swing at strikes. Mm-hmm. Attack the strike zone. And that's where you're seeing things not play out as scripted for the Mariners this year, despite the fact that similar to the pitching side, the personnel is largely unchanged. I mean, there have been uh, probably more new pitchers, especially if you talk about the bullpen, than there have been in the lineup. But, you know, for anybody watching the Mariners who thinks that the Mariners are suddenly going to be a great hitting team from a batting average standpoint, like, you're going to wait a while. Like, that's not this Mariners club. It's not last year's Mariners club. It wasn't the year before that Mariners club. You haven't been watching. This is a team that just does not hit for a high average. 
But if there's one thing that we've learned watching the Mariners, watching Major League Baseball as a whole, there's a lot of ways to win baseball games, right? The bedrock for the Mariners is the pitching. It was last year. It was the year before that. And it maintains the bedrock for the Mariners. Offensively, this is an OBP-driven team, an on-base percentage-driven team. And last year they did that with the second-highest walk rate in baseball and about a middle-of-the-pack strikeout rate in baseball. And you know what they did? They hit bombs. Mm -hmm. Like, they hit tanks. Top 10 home run hitting team last year. They did it while batting 230 as a team, which was 27th in baseball. But they leveraged their home runs. When the Mariners were at their best, there were men on base. They'd pop a bomb. It would happen again. And they'd hang six runs on the board, right? I, That's not happening this year. I, uh, I have to ask the follow-up question, even though it's almost impossible to answer. Thankfully, uh, you can at least provide some insight and some potential answers, which is why we aren't seeing it yet. Well, we're not seeing it because offensively, the Mariners, I, I think this is, this is polite to say, the Mariners right now are not living, they're not looking in the mirror. They're not living their identity. Their mm-hmm. identity is, Swing at good pitches, take bad pitches, get on base, and slug. <laughs> and that's not what they're doing. It comes down to like, great hitters do two things. The vast majority of great hitters do two things. They swing at good pitches, and they make quality contact. And one leads to the other, right? Like if you swing at bad pitches, even if you make contact with a pitch, uh, three baseball widths off the plate, like you're not going to make good contact on it. That's not sustainable. Good hitters make good swing decisions, and that generally leads to quality contact, which leads to base hits. Never a guarantee, but over the course of 162, it leads to base hits. Last year, the Mariners had the second lowest chase rate in baseball. The box that we see on the screen, the strike zone, a chase is any time you swing in a pitch and it's outside of that box. Only one team was more disciplined at not swinging at pitches outside the box than the Mariners. This year, they have the ninth highest chase rate in baseball. Mm -hmm. So when you chase as much as they have, they've been a top 10 chase team so far this season. Like, that's going to be, it's going to be hard to get on base. It's going to be hard to hit home runs. You can't hit home runs when you're swinging outside the strike zone unless you're like Julio could do it, Stanton and Judge can do it, right? Like, Geno could probably get one a couple of times, but it's not sustainable. The thing that gives me a hope and optimism is that these are the same guys generally who did it last year. This is a, a philosophy that is well ingrained within the organization. It came with Scott Service and Jerry Depoto. They've been preaching and teaching this for like close, almost a decade at this point. And it has really gained traction both with the pitchers and the hitters in the last couple of years in particular. So they have guys who have done it. They just need to get back to doing it again because we're just seeing we're seeing way too many strikeouts, way too many swings and misses. That's not who the Mariners are. That's not how they teach baseball and hitting at the major league level. And once they figure that out, and they're much smarter than me on how to do that, this thing will turn around. But they've got to start. They got to get back to what their identity is, what their DNA is as hitters. Well said. He is Mariners broadcaster Aaron Goldsmith, kind enough to join us on the Emerald Queen Casino Sportsbook Hotline. Thanks so much, Aaron. Thanks, Aaron. You got it, guys. See ya.
You are listening to The Dugout. It is all Mariners from 1 to 2, wrapping things up with Mariners insider Shannon Dreyer. We're going to ask her a bit about the Mariners' identity. I like this conversation we've been having with Aaron. And let's fit in some questions about Julio as well. I know a lot of people have uh, some concerns and uh, I guess still some excitement. Plenty of reason to be excited. So we'll ask Shannon about those things next. You're listening to The Dugout, Dugout. every Tuesday at 1 with Bump and Stacy on Seattle Sports Station, the home of the Mariners. You are listening to The Dugout. It is all Mariners every single Tuesday, 1 to 2. Wrapping things up with Mariners insider Shannon Dreyer joining us now on the Emerald Queen Casino Sportsbook Hotline. Shannon, how's it going? It's going. Has it been you or has it been Bump who have been stealing all the gum in The Dugout? That's Bump. Me. That's I me. know that's bump. I already know it's <laughs> stop it. Stop it. I shall try. <laughs> uh, Shannon, we are always very happy to have you, but we are especially happy to have you so that you can help calm some nerves from Mariners fans here. Mariners fans feeling pretty good about the Mariners uh, after Houston's uh, the series against Houston, having won six of seven. Obviously, they dropped their series opener against uh, the Rangers, but fans still a little bit nervous about what's going on with Julio. So let's talk about what you're seeing in Julio's ABs uh, and whether or not you've seen anything more encouraging of late. Yeah. um, If Julio's your concern and your worry, I think that one is probably a little bit easier to kind of calm than the overall picture with the offense right now. Mm -hmm. I think Julio, I mean, you can point to some mechanical things that are going on, but I think the bigger thing with Julio right now is he's just in a place where he's never been before you can look at the struggle that he had last year at the beginning of the season but hey you're a rookie you've just been called up the expectations aren't quite your personal expectations are up there but you're given you know by everybody some some kind of leash to get going and then you throw in what the umpires were doing so i mean it's even i've had a hard time even calling that a struggle to me that was kind of more everybody adjusting to julio than it was Julio adjusting to everybody else. So what we're seeing right now is a, a true struggle. And while he might have struggled for a week or two before in the past, he hasn't had a struggle of this size. I mean, if you look at his numbers, it's it's almost been season long. It's you have to go back to almost the first the beginning of the you know first week of the season. His average has been under 200 for the most part. His WRC plus well below. 200 and that's hard for him to take you know those players you're not supposed to look at the numbers you're supposed to look at the process and julio is very process driven but he also puts a lot on himself i mean this is his team he wants this to be his team and we was you know the top war getter for this team by you know whole points last year he's that important to this group and that's a lot to carry so i think on top of everything else he's dealing with that struggle for the first time and i doubt he's had it at any level i feel fully confident that he's going to get out of it but it's a process that he has to go through and when he does go through it uh he will have this as part of his dna and you hope that you don't see anything close to this and and he'll kind of have the tools to get through it again but i think the thing that we're seeing the most that we see with you know quite a few hitters that are struggling is that when you're in trouble you need to shrink that strike zone not expand it he's definitely expanding on it it's also a little bit more jumpy at the plate than we've seen before the bats aren't always good and you can point to the hard contact and say hey there's that that's a good sign well that hard contact's not going anywhere that's julio and sometimes you are going to run into one even when you're struggling so, you know, from what I see right now, I think he's still very much in it. And I think the frustration, which he's been very good at, you know, keeping to himself and he's been very consistent in who he is. 
behind the scenes. I think that frustration might have kind of boiled over a little bit last night. I think yesterday in, per, in particular was pretty tough for him. Shen, I appreciate you describing it that way. He's 22. He's never really been in this situation before. Because I said it to start the show, but I'm no Shannon Dreyer. If Shannon Dreyer <laughs> says it, then it is real and it is fact. Um, and I appreciate you saying that. Um, but who does he lean on in this situation? You know, you got older guys like Suarez and, and Hernandez in the dugout. Do you think he's the type of player to kind of go home and deal with it on his own, or does he lean on some of these veterans to help him through the situation? Well, and that's where things get tricky, because especially with the type of player that Julio is, the superstar and the young superstar at that, you know, all players have their own people. They have their own circles. And sometimes those people in the circle, and oftentimes, aren't even there. You know, you've got your agent, you've got your off-season hitting coach, you've got different people along those lines. So I think that sometimes it's even it might be harder for a player like Julio. How much, you know, Scott Service will do everything he can for him. His hitting coaches will do everything they can for him. But I think that, you know, for him, it's a little bit more of an island that he's on. He worked out with Teoscar in the off-season. But Teoscar's struggling, too, you know, perhaps even more than Julio, and with the same kind of expectation in that he's playing for a contract next year, and he was brought in specifically to help this team. So, you know, they're kind of in the same place. You hope they're not commiserating. You hope that, you know, that it is a a situation where, you know, there is somebody in there that can do it. But I think largely because of who he is, you know, other than pats on the back and what can we do for you, right now to help get you through this i'm not sure that there's a lot that can be done uh, on that side on that end all right shannon tell us a bit uh, about this uh, rangers team it's a bit unexpected for a lot of fans i know that they made some big free agent additions last off season so they had higher expectations for themselves in 2022 didn't meet them in 2023 they've been one of the better teams in the american league obviously seattle dropped game one but what's it going to take to get a series win uh, hits. <laughs> All right. She's Shannon Dreyer. <laughs> the kids are a good place to start. You know, I've been interested to see them in person, and, and, you know, we still need to see more of them because it's been easy to sit from far away as the Rangers. It's early. That doesn't mean anything that they're atop the division. Uh, quite like we've been saying of the Angels as well. It's very odd to look and see in the middle yeah. of the pack are the Astros and the Mariners. And, you know, my big joke is, you know, two days ago, Mariners caught the Astros. Everybody's been asking about that. Yes, yes, they can catch them. Uh, Not where they expected to catch them. Um, I think that when you look at where the Rangers are, and let's go ahead and throw Bochi in there too, um, you know, they've made a lot of big changes with the team. Uh, One of their top offensive players or one of the players that they expect to be one of their top offensive players, uh, Corey Seager, has been out for the most part for the season. Jacob deGrom, of course, has been out as well. And you know that offense is going to be there. I think the key is going to be the pitching. And the one thing that I was a little bit encouraged about, and uh, we, we talked with Steve Sparks, the Astros broadcast, a couple of days ago, and they've seen the Rangers, and he believes they're for real. He believes that this will be a four-team race which is not what anybody counted on going into the season. Houston was going to be way at the top, and then maybe perhaps a three-team race for that second spot. Well, this might be because Houston seems to be pretty beat up right now, and they're kind of missing a rotation, if anybody else has noticed, and that's kind of almost as important as hitting. Um, you know, So it's going to be interesting, but the thing that gets me about these Rangers, and I'm not sold on the bullpen. I know some people around that organization are not sold 
on their bullpen. You can hit and do a lot of damage that way. And I was very nervous when I saw that they scored 26 runs in their Mm -hmm. final two games before coming into Seattle. So I was curious to see, well, what happens against good pitching? Well, we saw what happens against good pitching. They scored two runs and they had to fight like heck and scrap to get those two runs. So that gives me some encouragement because if you look at what the Mariners are supposed to be, they are supposed to be a much better offensive team. If you look at what the Rangers are right now, they're going to need to get help on the pitching side, particularly on the bullpen. And they have a, a rotation that is built on a lot of guys that have had injury problems in the past. They might need to add there too. But right now, it, it's the bullpen where they will probably need to add and probably won't be able to do it for some time. So that gives me a little bit of hope that perhaps that balances things out a little bit in more that if the Mariners can get their act together with the bats and be who they're supposed to be at the plate, they're going to have a little bit of a better chance to kind of pull ahead before they're able to make adjustments as well. And you hope, and and you can't really rely on it too much because those big bats have not been there at the deadline, be it by trade or, you know, be it by trade at at that point, a long-term or a short-term type player, that hasn't been there. There's been pitching there, but it's been hard to get that bat. So I don't know that you depend on that too much. But I think you, you know, in the back of your mind, know that these hitters, are much better than what they're showing right now or have shown in the past that they can be much better. And and you kind of lean on that a little. All right, letting you have the last word there because at least it's really encouraging for the rest of (laughs) of this series against the Rangers. I like it. She's Mariners insider Shannon Dreyer, kind enough to join us on the dugout. Thanks so much, Shannon. Thanks, Shannon. You got it, guys. All right, you guys, that'll do it for us today, and that will do it for the dugout. George Kirby on the mound for Seattle for Game 2 against the Rangers. First pitch at 6.40 p.m. Pre-game show at 5.30 p.m. right here on Seattle Sports.